Welcome to the Mindfulness Academy podcast. I'm your host, Amy Morgan, and today we have on the show the Katie Carlson. Katie, thanks for joining us. So happy to be here. Let me tell you a little bit about Katie's impressive background and how she has one of the coolest jobs that I've heard about. Katie serves as the Director of Wellness Initiatives for the Marion County Sheriff's Office in Indianapolis, Indiana. In addition to other responsibilities, she serves as the coordinator of the MCSO Peer Support Team. Carlson is a certified yoga teacher and certified mindfulness teacher. She teaches yoga and mindfulness meditation to law enforcement and public safety personnel and to inmates in the adult detention center. Before assuming her current role, she served as the public information officer for the Marion County Sheriff's Office for nearly eight and a half years. Katie lives in Indianapolis's Garfield Park neighborhood, where she loves taking advantage of all the live music the park has to offer. She also enjoys riding, running, and hiking with her dog, Okie Doke. Welcome. Thank you so much. That's me. (laughs) That is you. Well, I am so excited to have our conversation today. Um, I always like to start the conversation with how we met, and we have been trying to piece this together, what, for a few weeks now? Wait, it was there. No, no, that wasn't it. Do you know? Kind of, yes. (laughs) And we haven't been able to quite nail it down, but we do have some mutual contacts who are in the mindfulness realm, um, including Robert Olamiller, who Mm -hmm. has already been on the show we love Robert Ola Miller. Very much. Very much. He's a wonderful man. And I am so glad that he, I think, reconnected us after all this time. So thank you again for joining us. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up, Katie? Um, I grew up in Muncie, and I went to Ball State, so I was a townie at the time. Um, yeah, loved, loved being around that area. So an Indiana native. Yes. Very good. Very good. Tell me a little bit about your educational background. So we, we've talked a little bit about some of your roles, you know, just in your bio, but what, what's your educational background? Yeah, at Ball State, I um, studied political science was my major. I had minors in communication studies and psychology, and I almost had a minor in philosophy. I was one class away from that. Um, I was really involved with student government, and for the first several years of my um, employment, my, my adult life, I was involved in politics and running campaigns and working at the legislature. So did use that political science stuff, still am very um, involved, but um, have luckily been able to kind of evolve and grow into where I am now. I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, it's been an interesting path. I'm, I'm curious about your journey into mindfulness in particular. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Formal mindfulness is a little is newer um, to me. Um, I my journey really started more with yoga um, a long time ago, and really a lot with um, philosophy and um, spirituality at a much younger age. So I'd always been kind of interested in these topics and then started practicing yoga in around 2006 um, when I was working in the legislature and had a practice for a long time. And for at least five years before I did it, maybe more, I was like, I want to be a yoga teacher. I want to be a yoga teacher. And I'm just too busy and I don't have time and I don't you know, this isn't going to work out. And um, one day I just was like, you know what? 
I need, I'm just, I'm tired of everybody and I'm going to sign up for yoga teacher training and there's nothing you can do about it. And, um, I did that and I started that in 2018, finished it in 2019. Um, was amazing and love teaching. I didn't think I would want to teach. I thought I would want to write and um, kind of use it more from that philosophical angle, but I just absolutely love teaching, which obviously has been a really helpful component to teaching mindfulness. So um, I'd been teaching yoga at our training academy, and I had um, we received a grant from the federal government that included mindfulness training for sheriff's office employees. And, you know, really before that, I'd read Mindful Magazine, you know, but I just didn't I just didn't really have a formal relationship um, with mindfulness. And but I thought it sounded cool and nobody else was really in charge of implementing it. And so I said, hey, you know, I think I can do this. I think I could take on this grant and implementing it. So from there, we started doing the Wednesday night phone calls, which is probably our first very formal, um, you know, meeting. Um, you presented True. on one of the Wednesday True. night calls to talk about your book. And um, I, I never would have thought that I would spend an hour at 8 p.m., every Wednesday night on a Zoom. Um, that's very unlike me in every other area of my life, but I just absolutely loved the people who were on these calls. They offered so much to me. I got so much out of mindfulness that, you know, we're almost 100, and Robert Ola Miller um, is really the one of the lead organizers of those calls, and we're almost 100 and 50, 160 um, calls in from the beginning over two years. And um, that opened up the door to really a more formal mindfulness practice, um, participating in the mindfulness training that we helped bring to the sheriff's office. I you know, was a part of it as a participant and then get through getting to know the people from the Center for Public, uh, the Center for Mindfulness and Public Safety. Um, they recommended that I go to the Engaged Mindfulness Institute um, to receive my mindfulness and meditation teacher training. So prior to that, you know, I mean, I think sometimes there's a difference between mindfulness and meditation you know there's a lot sure. of different kinds of meditation and so um that's all for formal mindfulness i'd had a f meditation practice that kind of coexisted for uh, with yoga for several years but it had been a little bit spottier and never really trained and i never really had you know a certain foundation i just kind of was doing it on apps and enjoyed it but didn't really know what i was doing sure tell us a little bit about the Wednesday night call yeah the Wednesday night calls I mean they've just they've been a godsend to me in so many ways um they are designated or they're supposed to be for um, law enforcement or public safety personnel in Indiana and the people who support them so some of their support staff like me uh, people from the state police and um uh, psychologists the support that that um, have special training are um, one of my other teachers in CISM critical incident stress management um, Kimball Richardson he I met him through the calls he ended up helping us form and do the training for our peer support team so people with kind of this interest in wellness and mindfulness and just you know helping people in public safety get what they need and just be able to you know 
have have access to these resources and this knowledge that can kind of help them and that they can carry with them anywhere that they go once they know about it um people that have that interest have been coming together for um you know over two years now and we'll generally have a different um presenter sometimes we don't have a presenter and we just do an extended um, mindfulness practice generally led by John McAdams of the Center for Mindfulness and Public Safety and um you know because I say yes um, and, you know, have a lot to say, apparently. Um, I'm the most frequent presenter on the phone calls and so or on the on these calls. So I've presented over 20 times on um, a lot of topics. Right now I'm doing a series on the chakras and um, have talked about the yama and the niyama of yoga philosophy and other topics, too. And so I just kind of am able to take some of that um, yoga background and share it with the um, folks that are there talk about mindfulness and combine those two things wonderful I'm wondering if you would tell us a little bit about what mindfulness is in layman's terms I, I'm always interested I I love this question and I love it because I get to kind of introduce it to new people all the time I mean just yesterday in the jail I was working with a brand new group of female inmates and you know starting from scratch here's what mindfulness is and I use my definition so um, what I define mindfulness as is essentially um, a formal and an informal practice and that's not necessarily my um, terms in fact I might uh, have it here that's probably John Kabat-Zinn who, who referred to it as a formal and an informal practice but the formal practice they're, they're essentially the same Thing, and they exercise the same muscle of mindfulness. So a formal practice, and in both, you have this object of mindfulness. And in your formal practice, say meditation, your object of mindfulness might be your breath. It might be the sensations in your body. Um, you know, it can change. It can be what you're hearing. It can be your thoughts. So um, the, the object of mindfulness can shift. Um, same thing in an informal practice, your object of mindfulness. And what I love to describe to people when I'm talking about it for the first time is I'm like, what's important to you? You know, yourself, self-care, the people you love that are right in front of you, your kids, your job. Even if you don't love your job, you don't want to get hurt on your job. You want to be able to, you know, make money and pay your bills. So, you know, being mindful of your work that's in front of you. So whatever it is, needs your attention and not just need your attention but is worthy of your attention um, is your object of mindfulness in an informal practice and so both in the formal practice and the informal practice um, we begin to notice when our mind wanders away from this object of mindfulness and we you know cultivate this sense of kindness towards ourselves of curiosity towards ourselves as we bring our attention back to that so they're very they're the same so um, you practice in um, a formal meditation practice so that you can strengthen that muscle of mindfulness in the rest of your life and it's the same it's the same muscle and I, I, I love talking about it that way yeah I like that a lot I, I think one of the most useful lessons that I learned was that our our brain's job is to think Mm -hmm. you know and and we are always scanning we, we were talking this last week um when fleet mall was on on the training call mm -hmm. on wednesday night he talked about just how we are we're scanning for danger it's not like we're scanning the horizon for joy mm -hmm. <laughs> usually at least that's not kind of our default right and um and instead of being angry at ourselves that 
um, honestly, just the quicker you can let it go without mm-hmm. judgment, the better. And as you start training that muscle to say, oh, I keep thinking about my to-do list or, mm-hmm. oh, I keep thinking about that frustrating conversation or whatever it might be and just pop back without any sort of, if you can work on not having the mental junk around getting off the focus. Yeah, it, it, so much of it is just about um, being able to kind of work on and create these really healthy and kind relationships with ourselves, so that we can work on creating these healthy relationships with other people because pretty much you know everything that's going to make you happy in life is other people and everything that's going to make you miserable in life is other people and so you get you know you you and it's how you you know sort of cultivate your, your interactions um with people so you know i know people who and, and not just people but you know i think that there are people that sometimes confuse mindfulness or meditation with i'm just going to concentrate really hard and i'd i'll go 60 minutes and i won't think about anything and i won't get distracted at all and i'm the best meditation in the world but they're a jerk (laughs) and it's like who cares if you can meditate and not think about anything else for 60 minutes if you can't get along with anybody like that you know you're just you're just so so it's uh, mindfulness and meditation so much more about what we cultivate in these these conversations that we cultivate with ourselves so that they can translate to others than um you know just this fixed focused attention which and I think that that you know sometimes people use especially um you know the, the people sometimes use the benefit of perhaps better focus um as a reason to do mindfulness and mm-hmm. and while that's true um you know the the it, it, you know the point is to be kinder to ourselves and to be kinder to other people I like that and the, the self-care just the taking of the time is in and of itself self-love exactly it really is yeah a a plugging in of sorts and whenever i mean as a you know a busy business owner and wearing lots of different hats i i think there is this constant pull in me between the to-do list Mm -hmm. which i know you could totally relate to this to-do list Mm -hmm. and the need to recharge and realizing that i recharge all kinds of devices in my house Sometimes every single day, I need it too. I need that downtime. Yeah. A little system reset. And so that helps give me a little context around that. I'm wondering if you have any mindfulness routines. I'm always interested in morning routines. I love the mornings. Kind of figuring out a way to, I don't know, set the day right. Are are there either of those sorts of situations that you might be willing to share with us? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I mind, I meditate every day, um, generally for, um, about 25 minutes in the morning. Um, and you know, I really, I love, I love the, um, the, oh man, I'm spacing on the name of it, insight timer app. And it, you know, keeps your days all, um, lined up. So I'm on a 132 day streak. Um, I, and being kind of a little bit 
competitive with myself. You know, I like, I like having those streaks. If I'm on a big streak, I don't want to break it, you know, which makes me, you know, that much more, it makes it that much more important to incorporate it in my day. So I wake up, um, and I generally meditate after I exercise. And I think that that's, um, a really good way, especially when I teach to deputies and detention deputies. Um, when you're like the worst thing you could do, I think is like get off of a conference call where you've been sitting for, you know, two hours and then go try to meditate, you know, your body's going to be, you know, moving all around. And, uh, you know, so when you can move first, it really kind of creates a little bit of a um, easier settling into a meditative posture. And that's not just in, um, you know, and, and that's um, included really in yoga um, tradition too, you know, to um, move or to do, um, you know, movement, whether it's yoga, whether it's running, any kind of exercise. Um, and then, you know, start to settling into a couple of deep breaths, starting to settle into your meditation practice. And so um, it's in, you know, Gretchen Rubin talks a lot about um, habit building. Um, and so I think that that's a good thing. When you have this one good habit, stick it on to the end. Um, and it doesn't have to be after meditation. It doesn't have to be after um, anything in particular. But if you've got a good habit, stack um, meditation on top of that. I love that. But for me, it's every morning and it's always after um, exercise. Making it easy on yourself. Um, I know Atomic Habits, I think, is in that same ballpark with it's a great book. some of those those sorts of habit building, um, making it easy. Maybe you have a meditation cushion that's right next to exactly. where you store your shoes or where, where you might have um, something that reminds you of the next bit. And so um, I think that that's really important. I think there's um, a lot of alignment between just the basics of habit building and having your practice. And so keeping those in mind, um, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about how mindfulness has impacted your life. Um, it, it, you know, it's almost hard to describe how many, I, I mean, mindfulness and the Center for Mindfulness of Public Safety and the impact that they've had on my personal life and on my job and on the work that I do and on the work that I get to share is just, you know, everything. And so, um, but then the actual practice of mindfulness too has just helped so much. I think that so many of us, um, suffer and I know I included, you know, in just some really negative self-talk. Um, sometimes, you know, and, and that's been something that I've had a hard time with for a really long time, you know, these huge expectations of myself. And um, so mindfulness has really softened the way that I've been able to kind of communicate um, to myself about myself and um, through that. And, and it's just like what I was saying before, when I'm getting softer with myself and easier on myself I'm softer and I'm easier on the people around me and it just makes my relationships and my friendships and you know the people who I interact with on a daily basis it, it makes it all um, easier and more um, connected yeah I like that quite a bit so it's helping you be kinder to yourself mm -hmm. is what I'm hearing from mm -hmm. that so I know we talked a little bit about habit building as, as an important part of mindfulness. What sorts of tips, though, other tips might you have for beginners? Start with a minute a day, but do it every day. Um, I think that doing that every day is, you know, that's how you're going to build a habit is that it's got to be every day. Um, and a minute a day is fine. You know, and if you can go from a minute and you can go to two minutes, 
that's awesome. That's what I love about Insight Timer too. You can just push a button, you can time yourself for that one minute and then you're done and you've done it for the day. And then as you start to get more comfortable um, to be able to do that, but coming, coming to it every day is how you grow in the practice and coming to it and leaving and coming back to it, you're almost never going to, you know, really be able to get the same effects. And so one of the things I think is really interesting in, um, you know, in, in our training is they talk about the fourth pillar of, um, mindfulness, which is the mindfulness of phenomena. And of those, there are, um, you know, kind of five things that can really take you away from your practice and the fifth and the most dangerous one. That's how it's always described is doubt. And I just, and I think that's so, you know, um, but it's so true because it's like, if you have this doubt and I, I refer even to little doubt and big doubt. So there's this big doubt, like mm, mindfulness is stupid. It's not going to help me like who, like that's going to be hard to get over. Right. But then there's this little doubt, like I don't need to do it today. Like I don't need to do it right. You know, I don't need to do it right now. And so we have to kind of get over that little doubt and, and, and just come to it every single day. I mean, that's it, whether it's a minute, that's, that's the main thing. If you can come to it every day, you can build from there. Yeah. I, I like how even with a minute that if you give yourself that one minute that is just sacred mm -hmm. and you practice just kind of like having a few reps mm -hmm. right in exactly. the gym and in those moments of quiet, then you, you sculpt yourself. So then in those moments where you may be triggered, you at least have, you are starting to build the muscle memory of being calm mm -hmm. and less reactive mm -hmm. and more responsive. And so, um, that's the encouragement for even just one minute. Mm -hmm. I mean, one minute in the gym is better than no minutes in the gym right? <laughs> or five minutes or 10. Yeah. It's better than nothing. It yeah. really is. Yeah. And, and I mean, but doing, doing 10 minutes once a week, it's just, it's not the same and it's, it's going to be really hard um, to, to kind of get the same benefits from the practice. And so, you know, I think, I think people enjoy kind of sitting quietly for a little bit, but that's not, you know, when you come, you know, it, it, it w you have to just build in these sorts of, um, the, uh, you know, you have to build mindfulness into your system and building things once a week. It's just not quite the same as every day. So let's talk to our listeners a little bit about, um, insight timer mm -hmm. um are you listening to some sort of background music you go silent I go it's silent like black I coffee I you. used to I, <laughs> I, I used to listen to it um I used to listen to some music and I'd highly recommend that for people who are starting um but you know from my teachers um they have said you know if you can and actually you know in, in in other books I was reading um you know from my teacher's teacher and it's a book called uh, cutting through spiritual materialism. I mean, they essentially talk about, you know, taking away everything, you know, that's, that's extra from, from your practice. And I think that that's something that I care a lot about in yoga. I, you know, I want yoga to be really accessible to people. And one of the things that I like about it is that, you know, you can just sit here or you can just stand and you're in mountain pose and you don't need any special clothes. You don't need anything like that. So it's the same thing for our meditation practices that we can do it with nothing but sometimes it's easier especially for those longer times when we're getting like more into five minutes or to ten minutes um that we 
um, are that we can, you know, have something to kind of go in the background noise. But yeah, I don't I don't use it anymore. Um, and it's just it's mainly just to challenge myself and to deepen my own relationship with my own my meditation and to, you know, just be with everything that's just right there. But I don't you know, I think the other stuff's great to to start. And I love, I mean, one of the things that Insight Timer is amazing about is that it has um, a lot of different meditations that are recorded and um, guided meditations. And I think that those are awesome. I think there's an awesome, they're an awesome place to stay or to start, um, especially stuff like, you know, with breath and breathing. And I also really love some of the yoga nidra ones. So I'll put those ones on. If I'm having trouble falling asleep, I'll put those on um, as I'm, you know, on my phone as I'm going to sleep and you can kind of put it on a sleep mode and this is all free. Like there's a paid version, but I haven't, I probably should just cause I love it so much, but like they haven't, there's not been anything I haven't been able to access, um, behind a paywall yet. So, um, but you know, they also have, there's, they've got a seven day kind of challenge coming up and I'll do that in addition to, but not in place of my, um, my practice. It's with a, a teacher who I just, I've, followed a little bit before and thought he was interesting and it was up there and was like sure I'll join this challenge I like that I I think it's good to remind folks and even myself that mindfulness doesn't take fancy equipment Mm -hmm. and I I was reminded of this when I was in um, Scott Sweet's mindfulness-based stress reduction course that I took which was wonderful Mm -hmm. there was um, an older participant that just sat in a chair and I thought, well, I have plenty of chairs around my house. There's really no excuse for me to say, well, I don't have a cushion right now. Mm-hmm. Um, or, oh, it's in another room. Right. You, you can do it wherever you are. And I, I love that so much. I'm curious what drives you to continue. Um, because I'm sure, I mean, has there been little D-doubt and big D-doubt along the way? And I'm wondering how you, how you overcome that. Oh, there's lots that drives me. Um, I, I'm kind of constantly, and, and you know, I think that it's not necessarily a good thing, but you know, I'm always wanting to be some, a better version of myself when really what I know I need to do is just love me just as I am. Um, and it's just kind of this personality where I'm always trying to be better, always trying to kind of, you know, do, do the next thing, um, or kind of layer something on top or, um, you know, and that's just a little bit of part of my personality. Um, you know, I haven't really, no, there, there has been one thing that kind of got in the way a little bit and that'd be after, um, we would do these kind of intensive weeks of training and they'd be so exhausting. And then, um, my teacher who, you know, Dr. Fleet Mall, who I just, Uh, you know admire so much he'd be like you need to meditate every day and then this kind of rebellious version of me is like I don't want to I'm sick of it (laughs) like like, I just had to meditate for like five hours for five days and I don't I don't feel like it and um you know so it's interesting because we did that and we were told to meditate every day I'm on here saying meditate every day not as much as what they're saying they're like meditated half an hour every day um but they you know I had to take a little bit of a break from it and like a week and and come back to it on my own and um really from there then it became 
um, you know, the, once I kind of led myself to it and wasn't necessarily told to do it, um, it that kind of broke down um, that obstacle. Sounds like you did what you needed to do. Yeah. So I think that that's good. Um, I'm curious if you have a favorite mindfulness practice and perhaps if you might be interested in leading us in that practice. Yeah, I would love to. Um, and I'll kind of introduce it first because, you know, with um, in this circumstance, we might not, you know, but I do think that it, it's going to work for us and hopefully it'll definitely um, be something good for your listeners. But what I love to do, we're going to be doing a meditation on sound. And the reason why I love this practice is because especially if you're new um, or especially if you're in kind of a chaotic place. And like I've mentioned, I teach, you know, in jail, I teach inmates and they're going back to a much noisier, um, you know, dorm than where we're working. Um, that sometimes noise or here we get distracted by a sound and it takes us out of our practice or we feel like, oh, I'm not meditating right now. And so when we meditate with sound, um, we allow that to be our to be the practice and I think it's just a very um I, I think it just kind of opens up um what meditation can be for us and so we'll just get started and I'm going to probably adjust just a little bit so I can take a little bit of a um better seat here um but we'll just get started in an easy seated position where we feel upright and comfortable letting our hands fall wherever they feel comfortable we've got the option to keep our eyes open or let our eyes closed here and the first thing we're going to do is just start to notice our breath first you might begin to notice the breath as it comes in through our nose and out through our nose And then we're going to begin to shift our attention to our sense of hearing. And the first things that we're really going to focus on are the sounds that arise in this immediate vicinity. So we're in the same room. Other people might be in different places, but still one of those sounds may be the sound of my voice right now. You may hear a crackle from electronics or movement of air in a building, building noise. We may be even able to hear this very subtle sound of our own voice, a sound that's so quiet that nobody else can hear it, but we can. And so we just notice these sounds that are the very closest to us, the sounds right in this room. And then we're going to begin to expand this sense of sound. So we begin to incorporate the sounds that are occurring in the area outside of the room or outside of our immediate vicinity. If you're in a car, the sounds that are outside of your car. Again, this might include room noise, airflow, voices, people walking. What do you hear outside of your immediate vicinity? I'm letting your attention 
just rest on that sound. One more time, we're going to expand our sense of hearing. Just listening to the farthest away sound as we can. What can we hear that's the farthest away? And then one more time, we'll just begin to incorporate all of these levels of sound, all three realms of sound together. And so we just let our attention rest on the sensation of hearing, allowing all of these sounds to be a part of our practice, the sounds that are closest to us, the sounds that are the farthest away, the sounds that are the loudest or the most obvious, the sounds that are the most subtle, maybe something only you can hear. We'll just start to close this practice by taking one big breath in together, maybe lifting our shoulders up to our ears if it feels comfortable. And breathing out with a sigh. Opening our eyes if they're closed, maybe moving around a little bit. And I, I know I asked to turn the tables a little bit. I, uh, you know, always like to ask people about their experience with, with uh, these different meditations. So what'd you hear? What happened? Um, here in the room, I was noticing the crackle, mm -hmm. you know, inside our headset. There's just a little bit of that from, mm -hmm. from our devices here. Um, I think just I was noticing my earrings kind of have a little bit of a, I don't know if you can hear it. Mm -mm. Hopefully not, because that's probably big enough on the recording. Um, but I was hearing a little bit of that. Um, I could hear myself swallowing. Mm -hmm. um, and then at, as we moved outside, um, I can hear a little bit of a conversation happening. Mm -hmm. It's kind of loud, if I'm honest, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, outside of our studio. Um, and so I heard a little bit of that and some doors slamming mm -hmm. out there. So, um, yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, I didn't hear very much in that kind of far away realm. This is a really interesting practice sometimes, you know, depending on the level of noise or if we're outside, we can hear planes and traffic from far away. So I, lo I love that practice. I love being able to kind of expand that. I had someone once say, I feel like Superman. You know, like I just I heard so I heard so far away that I didn't know I could hear that far away. Um, so, yeah, I just I love this practice. The crackle I found kind of to be a comforting. Um, like a, a little white noise like I was like it I could is. I could meditate to that um it feels a little old-fashioned or something in there doesn't it it, it does it's kind of comforting I gotta give you that yeah um I'd like to hop into a little bit of a conversation around your work mm -hmm. because again super cool work and kudos for taking um this grant and making it into something really beautiful 
and in so much service of, of those who serve us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, something that I have reflected a lot upon after been being part of some of the Wednesday night calls is just the the level of trauma that first responders, police officers, firefighters, uh, even clergy, um, psychologists, etc., just in general have to process through they're exposed to and have to process through but even over the last few years oh my goodness just the spike that I can only imagine yeah and 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 what 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 a gift it is to help equip them with mindfulness tools to to help process that so yeah I want to hear a little bit about um kind of how this grant worked out Mm -hmm. and what it really means kind of on a tactical level. I know you've talked about, um, with me, you know, even your Monday morning calls Mm -hmm. where you're leading just what it means to have a wellness initiative inside a sheriff's office. Yeah. Well, I mean, you talk about the, you know, the past few years uh, and the, the increased levels of stress, which is very significant. Um, but you know, it's always amazing to me that we've really only begun to learn about trauma in the last 10 or 15 years. And so, uh, you know, thank goodness what I'm grateful for is that we're starting to become aware of it, that in our um, peer support team, that we're trained in critical incident stress management and kind of trauma mitigation, trying to, um, avoid trauma after um, serious incidents before it really settles in and makes a long-term impact. And if only we could have had some of these tools um, much farther back, it it, it would have made um, a really big difference. So I am so incredibly blessed and lucky to have my job. I'm really grateful for it. I, um, it, it came about, as you mentioned, I had been the public information officer at the sheriff's office for eight and a half years. I actually celebrated my 10th anniversary yesterday at the sheriff's office. Congratulations. Yeah, I can't, it's hard to believe. Um, not very typical millennial behavior, um, stay, sticking around so long. Um, but I just I love it. And it shows how much of kind of a family that it's been. So, um, you know, I'd been around for a long time. There's actually a lot in common, um, with the curtain period support team and um, being the media relations uh, contact because there's you know a lot of bad news comes to you um, and it's in different ways I'm going to interrupt you and uh-huh. say two quick things I, I want you to talk a little bit about what the peer peer support mm-hmm. really means mm-hmm. um, to kind of paint a picture for mm-hmm. us I also just want to say your mindfulness training is trauma-informed correct yes. so I think that's a, that's an important distinction yeah um, and I'm, I'm glad that's the kind that you received. Um, yes. That seems very wise. So tell us, tell us a little bit about yeah. uh, peer support. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll walk it back just a little bit farther to include the different things that were in this grant because that was really Perfect. the origin of, of how the job started. So I was the PIO. Um, it was hard. Um, I was sole contact for the media for eight and a half years. Um, this was during the pandemic. The pandemic was really hard for jails um, and, so? and prisons. Um, well, you had people confined in a in a you know, in, in these spaces, you know, generally kind of with a poor level of health, um, you know, who, and we had to just kind of constantly, you know, and it was so hard to monitor 
you know, these illnesses, especially before we had these, you know, this is before we had the tests, it's before we had the, you know, shots. So everyone else, you know, including myself was able to kind of, or, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people not, you know, not um, the workers that were that were out there, you know, pretty much everyone who's not paid enough, um, had to be out and several of us were able to work from home. Um, but yeah, you've got, you know, you, you have inmates and they're, they're coming in all the time and, and no idea what people have been exposed to. So we'd have to have big, um, blocks and then the media was always very interested in, you know, what we were doing to prevent it or if there were specific cases. So it was, re- it was really difficult and really challenging. Um, so with doing that, I've always been since, since our current sheriff, Gary Forrestal has been elected, I'd been pretty involved in the marketing end for our, um, for recruitment um so i've always been i'd been very involved in that and i still am involved in that and then we got this grant from the department of justice it's called limwa the law enforcement mental health and wellness act and the grant essentially funded um the um formation of a peer support team it funded mindfulness training and then we've also been able to kind of shift the funds to include qpr which is question persuade refer suicide awareness and prevention training so we started with the mindfulness training i figured that that was kind of the um easier thing for me to to get going with and so mindfulness training of of the sheriffs yeah we had about 20 people go through it okay so it's it for a limited group of them and people would apply um but it was it was a great training and then um the you know then the peer support teams and then we had to, uh, the other big thing that was going on with this grant is that we moved facilities i mean I don't, i'm not sure you right. know we used to have the jail right downtown at 40 south alabama now we're on the southeast side um and in a completely different area far away from downtown that move was very challenging. I mean, a huge, huge, huge deal. It took so much. So there was a lot going on there. Um, there was a fitness center there that I was able to, that I'm able to oversee a wellness room. Um, so there, I had some functions, um, working in that new building, but then once we got settled in, we were able to start implementing the peer support team. So we started a process seeing who was interested. Everybody had to go through a background, um, investigation before they were approved to go through the training personal and and you know difficult story for me I actually I lost my father in early April this year and was dealing doing the peer support um, process all during that time and it was just it was so it was it was a lot and but had to get done and we you know we had this date for the training and so I you know for a crazy reason um, ended up putting myself through a you know mental health evaluation um between my dad's death and his funeral like days before his funeral and i'm like crying on the phone with this psychologist like i'm not i'm not crying because i'm sad i'm crying because i'm frustrated um so it it was really challenging it was one of the most challenging things that i've ever done but you know we get this peer support team we get our training we get it into place i'm gonna interrupt you again Uh So peer support, what do you mean by this? So peer support is um, is a team of people at the sheriff's office who are trained in critical incident stress management. So staff. So sheriffs. Mm-hmm. Who else? Deputies, who? detention deputies, um, uh, civilians. You know, really supervise, you know, rank doesn't really matter when it comes to peer support. You okay. just become available. So peer support team members are people who are willing to be available to 
um, their colleagues if they're in crisis. And then we're trained on how to essentially conduct to conduct two kinds of debriefings. One would be a one-on-one -on -one, um, debriefing called a safer. Um, and the other is like a group debriefing, which would occur after a major um, incident or if a lot of people experienced the same kind of incident. So um, we were trained in those. We continue to get together and practice um, those. And, uh, it, you know, our team's been evolving and trying to, you know, kind of kind of figure out the best way to help people know that we're there and to reach out to people when they need help. And um, it's been, it's, you know, it's been a rewarding process. So, but peer support's a big part of my job. Um, and then I've also had, you know, just, it's just an absolute pleasure of being able to teach yoga and mindfulness um, at our training academy. So with all of the incoming deputies, I get probably eight to 10 yoga sessions with them. Um, so, you know, quite a bit. And we, you know, work on mindfulness too. We work on stress reduction, breathing techniques. So we do that with them. With every group of incoming detention deputies, their training is only a month long and it's really kind of jam-packed. I get an hour with them and we go over, um, you know, the science of stress on our brains. We go over breathing techniques. We go over, we do some yoga we do some meditation and then we talk about peer support in one hour <laughs> and mm. it's like, you know, I'm always like, okay, was it a pleasant hour? And, and it generally was a pleasant hour, but it's very, it's, it's jam packed with, um, information. So I love being able to, um, bring that to everybody who's coming into our agency. There's a lot of people, um, who have been here for a long time though, who I really am not quite able to, um, reach in the same way, you know, especially once you get, your assignments and you're working in the jail then it's just in and you know you have your long shifts you know when, you, when you're in a training academy you're kind of in a, a an easier environment to to catch so um i've got a program can, can i mention mindful mondays now is that all yes, right you were asking hoping. about it yeah. yeah so i've got a program and, and i recently switched um the way that it was set up it had been um, at 12:30 live on Mondays and um, it would be via Webex, which is what the courts use. And I would do kind of a shorter meditation, a shorter breathing um, technique followed by a little bit of a longer meditation. And those originally the plan was for them to be recorded and, and distributed afterwards. And something changed on WebEx. It became extremely difficult to record them or not to record them, but to share those recordings. And so I wasn't really able to send them out. So I changed the format fairly recently and um, have been recording, you know, two or three minute breath techniques and, you know, shorter meditations along with nine to 12 minute meditations and have been sending those out to people so that they can um, access them at any point. It's just video links and they can access them at any point. So you don't have to be anywhere at any certain time. And um, I secretly love it because I get little notifications when the links get opened, you know, at least for the first time today. So I can, but you know, I have, uh, unlike the other one, I have analytics now where I can um, see, you know, how they're being, how they're being used and how long people are staying with it and um, really, really appreciate that. So it's just, it's kind of bringing um, awareness to it. And again, it's easier when I have worked with a lot of the people who have come in 
they've done this re- they've done this stuff with me so it's not something that's not familiar to them so you know it's just kind of starting outreach on um, the people who I haven't had a chance to work with so this is 12:30 on Mondays well now it, now the time doesn't is a little less relevant because the email recording. just goes out I sent it out on 12:30 last Monday but um, you know now the the recordings are available anytime. So this goes to all the staff, uh-huh. regardless if they're new or if they've mm-hmm. been there forever. Yeah, it goes to everyone. I love that. And, and, you know, there's a fellow who I just saw in the cafeteria today, and he went, it's Mindful Friday. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm because like, yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter when. I'm like, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but e- even those those things, and, you know, I when I teach the um, detention deputies in the academy, they get emails from me, and I'm like, you guys get emails from me, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, so you have this stuff. Like, everything we're doing, you have. Like, you've got access to it. And they're like, okay. So, um, you know, and it's just that it's just that matter of trying to, you know, I think sometimes people have to, kind of like I had to take that break and come to something when you needed it. That's really a lot of my point with the, with the sheriff's office. I'm not trying to, you know, change their perspective or, you know, make them do something that they don't want to do. But I am trying to present as much um, information and technique that I can so that if they be- are interested and if one day they're like, oh, I need something and they can go, oh, yeah, and and they can find it. And then, then when people start coming to, I think you kind of have to come to things on your own. So, but it's there and it's very accessible and, you know, for a law enforcement agency, yeah, I, I can't imagine as many that, um, you know, talk about mindfulness on such a regular basis. <laughs> Well, they are very lucky to have you. So. I'm lucky. <laughs> That's wonderful that you enjoy it too. Um, I am wondering who else you're training. I, I think you told me that you're starting to even train inmates, male and female mm-hmm. inmates. Tell, tell me what that looks like. Yeah. Is, is that a regular thing or just as needed or what's that like? Uh, per, uh, semi-regular. So um, still kind of, still kind of figuring that out. Um, so the working with the female inmates has been regular. And I really, um, when I had gone through my training and um, with Dr. Mall and with um, Vita Perez, um, the people that, you know, they just have such a wealth of training people who have been in the prison system and in jail. So I learned from literally like the best people you could learn from um, for teaching in a jail. And yet at the same time, it had never really been my intention. You know, as I went all through Um, teacher training I'd always kind of done it like through this lens of you know I'm doing this and I'm focusing on public safety even though I had a population of inmates that were you know all around me and above me so but I did need to get 35 hours of training of teaching in to be able to become certified and I was walking a thank you note upstairs to our director of programs one day and he said hey you know I've had some requests for mindful meditation um is that something you'd be interested in doing and I was like yeah sure and so um I I generally you know unless there's a conflict with the room I generally work with female inmates every Thursday and then there's been a group of male inmates that I've gotten to meet with one of the groups twice. I'm scheduled to meet with them again, but there's kind of, you know, we have a lot of really difficult staffing issues, which is why, you know, I have such a focus on um, recruitment too. Um, and also that all of this is, you know, part of 
retention, you know, trying to help people be able to give um, themselves the tools that they need to be able to come down after um, a hard shift. So, and in, in, in lots of the other um, projects that I'm working on that are just trying to make, you know, life better as, as much as we can. So um, I've worked with, I, the, the nice thing about working with the men is that the groups are a little bit more regular. Um, so it's interesting when you get a group of women and you've taught half of them before and you haven't taught the other half because it's kind of, you know, you, it, it, where do you go back over and where do you start all new? Or if you've taught a group before, then you can kind of go on to an entirely different topic. But more recently, I've been getting all new groups of people. So I just... Um, essentially start from the same every time and then um, with the men uh, I started going into some of the um, other aspects of mindfulness kind of deepening um, the practice with them and so um, it, it but yeah scheduling scheduling and and staffing issues um, can can make both of those difficult sometimes so I'm interested about logistics and how just to paint a picture mm -hmm. for us so you have a weekly, let, let's say the, the female inmates, um, how many are we talking? Um, I have seven mats up there, including one for myself, which I could, um, you know, give up if, if I needed to. Um, so I generally teach seven every once in a while. There'll be one or two less than that. Um, we have a program room. So we're in a room that's quieter um, and farther away from their dorm. I always start by asking any experience that people, it, it, every single group that I teach, and it doesn't matter if it's deputies, detention deputies, inmates, um, you know, or at Garfield Yoga or anywhere, I ask people, you know, what experience they've had with yoga, with meditation, and it's fascinating how much people have already been introduced to it. I mean, especially among deputies, detention deputies. So I get a feel for, you know, how much experience there had been in the class. And um, yeah, we you know, we just kind of have this quiet room and some, and I ask if they haven't had any experience, what made them say yes to coming today? And a lot, and I'm like, and if you just wanted to get out of the, the room, that's okay. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun because it's a lot, um, you know, it, 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 it's so, I don't want to call it informal, but we we you know we we have fun and it's it's extremely it's very pleasant and it's very conversational i like that and you is it maybe half an hour an hour an hour long mm -hmm. excellent um and so are you training in a variety of modalities or are you teaching mindfulness just yoga a mix tell, tell me about that yeah so i generally start with um it, it's pretty similar to the hour that i'll get with the detention deputies if i'm getting a whole new group so i'll start with the science of stress you know helping people understand their autonomic nervous system the sympathetic um nervous system the parasympathetic nervous system and how that works and then how essentially we have this kind of knob this dial on ourselves where we have the ability we have more control than we think to take ourselves from the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system and that the main um, avenue for that is through our breath or one of the most direct ones so we go from there into a few different kinds of breathing techniques um, i'll teach even breath um, straw breathing four seven eight breathing um, with the detention deputies and the deputies i'll do box breath and then we go from there into a yoga practice. Um, and then that's always based, I mean, uh, w with whoever I'm teaching, I mean, it's just, it, it's based on w what I can see in the class, you know? And I always say, uh, going back into um, 
you know, it being trauma informed, <laughs> you know, every single thing that I'm saying here is a suggestion. I'm not telling you to do this or that or anything with your body. I'm not telling you to do anything that feels uncomfortable. If something feels uncomfortable, don't do it. If there's a movement, I don't know what injuries you've had. If something hurts, back out of it. You're not going to offend me. You don't have to look like other people. You don't, you know, none of our poses are going to start the same way. So I always um, preface that. And um, then, you know, I kind of get a feel for the class and their mobility and how much they can be sitting and standing or, you know, bending over or what, what feels good and just kind of base it off of, you know, whether they're liking what we're doing or not. And um, generally always run out of time. So after we do a little bit of yoga, just move our body around for the same reason we were talking about earlier with exercise. You know, if we have a lot of jitters that we're going to have a hard time setting, I'm sorry, I'm a physical person. Um, if we have a lot of jitters, we're going to have a hard time settling down into this yoga practice. So when we can move our body a little bit first, then we um, can, can do that. And then we just, um, usually enter, um, usually only have time to do practice with the breath. A couple last questions mm -hmm. for this part of our conversation. I feel like the million dollar question to me at this point is what kind of impact are you seeing either qualitative or quantitative or even a story to paint a picture of what this has done for the deputies and or the inmates. I'd really love to hear that. Yeah, and that's a hard question to answer because, um, you know, I really, I really don't, I don't really have a whole lot that's concrete. I have, I have a lot, I don't have a lot that's scientific and I don't have a lot that's over um, a very long period of time. So what I mostly have are these interactions that are um, directly after the moment and after the program and people saying, oh, I, I feel good. That feels good, especially when, you know, because I'm communicating a lot during classes, a lot more than in, you know, a normal yoga class. I'm like, is everyone feeling OK? <laughs> um, so, you know, that that sort of interaction um, that, that comes during and after class is is one indicator to me. And then, you know, the other thing that's really rich to me is being able to having worked with so many people as they are going through training, you know, when I'm up in the jail and up on the floors, like I know I get to know so many of the people that work with us and and they know me. And so it's actually helpful um, as it translates to our peer support team and um, as it translates to um, people being open and willing to use other resources for their wellness in the sheriff's office. And so. Um, you know, and, and, and I have, you know, actual numbers when it comes to Mindful Mondays now that I can, that I can um, see and, and use, but my, the, the real mission statement of my job isn't necessarily around mindfulness or yoga or even, you know, peer support, but it's to create an environment of comfort to use and utilize the resources and so um, I, I do, I think that creating, I think that that's um, the biggest measure of my success or not is how many people are using all of these resources that are, that are um, available to us and kind of breaking through some of these barriers to asking for help and to realizing when we don't, we're not, we don't have to do this all by myself. And I've been thinking as you've been talking around this idea of even recruitment and retaining mm -hmm. talent because when you provide resources mm -hmm. 
I, I tend to think that that makes one feel better about the working environment that you're in. And, um, you are equipped for different situations, which is very helpful, Mm -hmm. um, beyond that. Yeah. But then you also have with the inmates getting trained, then you have hopefully maybe a little bit calmer folks inside the jail. (laughs) And so that's also helpful, you know, as, as someone who's working there. So I sure hope so. I, I, you know, I, I, cause I don't often get to see them again. You know, I, it, it's sometimes like, you know, you know, you just, you try and you get this moment and, um, ho- you know, hopefully that that impact or that it'll come back, um, to them, to them sometimes, but you know, it's, it, and I also am fairly, eh, I don't think that the word self-conscious, right. But, you know, I've seen memes before. I mean, we, we, what, what our employees really need is, um, to be able to get um, a much fairer salary. I mean, salaries, I mean, you look at our economy and the way that, you know, uh, uh, inflation is growing compared to salaries, that, they, that the two have nothing in common. It's really difficult right now. Our employees deserve a lot. Our sheriff fights so hard to get those salaries up, but there's just, it, it, it's, it's hard. You know, we keep trying and we keep trying, but it's not what they deserve for some of the hardest jobs that you can have. And some of the most difficult jobs as you can have. And I remember, you know, some seeing some jokes kind of on Twitter, like, you know, my company doesn't want to give me a raise, but they'll give me a yoga class. And so, you know, I try to be cognizant of, of that, of what really um, makes a difference, which is, you know, being able to pay people what we worth, uh, what they're worth and, you know, being able to provide, you know, these real life um, resources to them and just and hopefully but but again our sheriff just you know is passionate about it and has has done so much to increase um, those salaries and then just hopefully that this can kind of um, be something that's on top but I certainly don't think of it as a as a fix um, sure I, I I remember in my conversation with Robert, he brought up that um, a lot of the folks that he has worked with over the years, they don't live as long. Um, They've been through so very much. They've been through so much. And I even know folks in that arena who just even recently have passed. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were not very old, you know, and they don't really get to see their grandkids grow up and and get to enjoy their retirement. They they don't get to do that because they're gone. And not only while they were on the earth have they taken on so much yeah. um, from society, but but they they give of themselves. I, I see it as giving their lives um, for for the cause, and so there's a lot to be said yep. around about what you're saying and and knowing your room when you're talking and being sensitive to that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they really do. And it kind of goes back to that, to the, you know, where we started with trauma, where it's just, you know, I, I just, I so deeply wish that we could have known earlier what we know now and that now we're able to start, you know, incorporating um, this sort of trauma awareness into a lot of aspects of police lives. But, you know, the weight of trauma is extremely heavy when it's unaddressed and there's been just decades and decades and decades and decades of unaddressed trauma in a lot of, you know, law enforcement and public safety personnel. And so, um, you know, and that, and that's hard to start to crack through. So, you know, I try, I try not to have, you know, too Pollyanna 
ish of of an outlook on you know what I'm doing and the impact that it has but I think that it's important and I think it's a really important conversation and that being able to kind of keep going back to it and increasing this comfortability with um with mindfulness with yoga with self-care with um, any of these wellness resources reaching out using our employee assistance program that as much as we can do that 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 starts to make a difference I'm wondering if you would share with our listeners a little bit of advice that you might have for other departments um, particularly sheriff's offices or um, criminal justice facilities who might be interested in launching a wellness program like this yeah. And this, we, we don't have a whole lot of time left, so you sure. can't go on for four hours. No, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you have so much advice, but. Yeah. Well, you know, I think first of all is that there are a lot of, um, you know, when I first started this role, I was a little bit fearful that I didn't have the same. Being a PIO, there were really huge networks that you could lean on, and, and I didn't quite find the same um, ones when I started, but they are there now, so there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Um, on it. And I think that the other thing that I would say is that if you are interested, if you, if you work in law enforcement and you're interested in bringing mindfulness, if you are, you know, just doing, you know, working in it anyway, that one of the best things you can do is educate, educate yourself on trauma and um, really to be able to come into any of these wellness programs. They, they need to be trauma informed and there are a lot of providers um you know who are out there i was just looking at these statistics the other day i mean i think it's like wellness is now a four to five trillion dollar industry um something like 500 billion of that is workplace wellness that's a lot of different options that's a lot of people competing and so we have to you know we really need to make sure that we're, we're finding people that have um, trauma sensitive um, programs and that's not necessarily to say that everybody is so fragile it's to say really everybody's so resilient that they've made it through all of this stuff so far and it's and it's a lot, but that you know, there's going to be a lot really that's underneath there. So connect with other people, connect with me. I'll get you connected to to groups in Indiana, um, and you know, just just make sure you know, understand and and um, place a high value on on trauma um, informed practices. So speaking of trauma, you spoke earlier about how your father died not long ago, and. I'm wondering if you would share with me a little bit about how mindfulness helped support you. Um, my father died right at the beginning of COVID, just mm -hmm. a couple of weeks after um, everything kind of got shut down. And I felt very keenly that if I did not have mindfulness skills, it felt like it would have crushed me mm -hmm. with, without having that in my back pocket. And so um, I'm wondering if you would share that with us. Yeah. Well, you know, mindfulness played a big role, especially because I was at the end of my, you know, mindfulness teacher training at the time. I was also at the time implementing our peer support team. Um, so there was a lot going on. Um, my teacher had once said, you know, you've got to let mindfulness save your life. And I thought about that a lot um, during that during that time. And so what was important for me is that I fought really hard 
to get my time to meditate. And I had a house full of family. I mean, there was so much going on. It was just, you know, the, it, things were so chaotic. And I put a cushion in the back of my car in a blanket and I called it my little mobile meditation station because like my house was my mom's my parents house was just loud and so but you know when I went there it was very intentional and it's like no one's gonna bother me when they see me meditating in the back of my car they're gonna know step away from the car do, do not <laughs> interrupt this right now but but there was a lot of time that I that I got and was able to um um, meditate there so yeah I, you know I, I really I kind of opened to it opened my heart to it let it you know I was like this is a chance for this to to um to let it let it save me and I mean it's it, you know I'm there's still a lot that I'm processing I actually have a piece of writing coming out um on December 12th about it and it, but there, I, I, I got so much kind of strength and more, more than strength is just kind of this stability, that, that sort of equanimity, um, that, you know, I am just right here in the moment and that I'm allowed to feel whatever that I feel. And I also have this, this very moment to come back to. And, um, I, I did a lot of running too um you know that was another really and, and I had to do the running I had so much nervous energy I mean I was running all over the place and then coming back and meditating so very similar to what I've said multiple times here but moving my body and then and then being able to settle it down and and you know everything's still sad and it was horrible um you know and beautiful and um you know you came home for hospice and and I mean you we just couldn't have you know, asked for a more, you know, beautiful last days with him. And I don't know, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's a lot, but I, I had a very, um, I think I had a healthy perspective. And you know, the thing too, is that it hadn't been the first time I'd had just my heart crushed and ripped out of me. And so it's like, I'd kind of, but it, I'd had more skills to deal with it, you know, because of mindfulness, because of straw breathing, I was able to, um, really better, not, you know, and it's not, I say better and I don't mean like better, like I did bad this last time, but you know, I just, I had what I needed kind of right there inside of me to, to turn to and lots of family and friends around that were incredibly supportive, including my mindfulness community. Yeah. I'm just, thank you for sharing that. I know it's a vulnerable thing to share. Um, so many things that popped up when you were talking that, oh, you could spend a long time unpacking that. I I remember when my father died, one of the mentors in my life that I'm very blessed to have, she said, this is going to hurt. And I thought, well, of course. And that, and, But at the same time, I felt the weight of her words like, you're going to feel it. Yeah. And it's okay to feel it. Yeah. And it will be felt one way or the other. So you might as well get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because um, I think in my in my life for, for a lot of my pre-meditation days, I, I would run, mm -hmm. run from it, mm -hmm. e either physically mm -hmm. um, or just kind of psychologically run from it, run from it, run from it. Um, but at a certain point, you get tired and then you, you feel it. And yeah. it, it has built by then. So... Yeah, there was even, you know, in the, 
you know, I, I remember sitting in, in a room there and it was the day after and like, you know, so I'm dealing with like both work and that. And I remember meditating and just, you know, feeling just I, like, I mean, the heaviest I'd ever had ever felt in my heart and just, you know, I was allowing myself to get curious about that and feeling really deeply into it. And um, it, it was a, it was an interesting practice, but, you know, I, as I mentioned, I just, um, wrote something about it. My dad was a writer and, um, I love to write and I've had essentially writer's block, um, ever since then. I think I've just broken through it to write something about my dad. So I'm excited. Um, but you know, that's kind of, it's kind of, uh, com coming, you know, hopefully some things, um, being able to come back around and heal and, and, and process, but. You know, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm so great. I, what, what I do without these daily practices, I don't know. I mean, it's in, it's in that, it's in that sadness and that it's also in everything else, you know, I mean, like ev everything that I've got going on, I bring to my cushion and, you know, and then I bring it there and then I'm like, you know, okay, now get out of my head for, for a moment, you know, I'm meditating and, um, but, but I, it, I, it always comes with me you know, and, and I always take it there, and then it somehow just kind of, you know, I sit with it, you get to sit with it, and I think that that's really important. Yeah, I, I think an important part, when it can feel very overwhelming, when you're sitting with the big emotions, just letting, get, letting yourself experience it physically, mm -hmm. sometimes even, mm -hmm. that can feel a little safer. Mm -hmm. You talked about the heaviness, yeah. you know, in your heart, and just getting curious about that, or the tension in your shoulder, or just the welling up of tears or maybe it gets a little warm right here underneath your eyes yeah. or whatever it might be where the pain or the the big emotion yeah the big energy as my friend likes to say the big energy starts yeah. to be felt so yeah I would love to invite you to do the glowy daily reflection practice with me mm -hmm. and so I probably have stirred up all kinds of things for you so <laughs> you're you're welcome <laughs> We'll see what happens. We so. will see. This might be our most interesting glowy yet. <laughs> Brace yourselves. Um, so the glowy daily reflection practice is an original practice that I developed and, and put in my book, The Chaos Antidote, a fable about mindfulness and the accompanying workbook. And it is something I practice every day, um, usually in the morning and in the evening. My, my daughter is kind of addicted to it. She refuses to let me out of her bedroom before we do it together every night. And it is actually a really sweet practice between the two of us mm -hmm. so we kind of get to know each other and what what's kind of going on with each other from the day mm -hmm. and so I that is a very very special time for us but um GLOWY is a an acronym and the G stands for grateful the things that we're grateful for the L is for lift up the things that might need resources of one sort or the other either for us or for someone else mm -hmm. the O is for observe W is for wholesome intention and the Y is for you are where we get to send ourselves off with a little, little skip on our step, kind of affirm ourselves. So I'll start with the G. You want to share something you're grateful for, Katie? Yeah, as I mentioned, I just celebrated 10 years at the sheriff's office. It's a dream job. I'm so grateful for it every single day. Grateful for the people I get to serve. Grateful for my bosses who just lift me up. Um, love it. What about lift up? What might need some resources from you or for you? Hmm, that's a that, that's a tougher one. I should have um, thought about it. You know, there's there's so many there's so many kind of causes that are on my mind. 
um, you know, I think we're coming into the cold weather um, seasons, and I have so much, so many of us have so much, and there's certain people that have so little. So being able to um, support organizations like Second Helpings and people who are really um, making sure that people are fed, um, Wheeler Mission, people are warm, want to lift them up. Beautiful. What about observe? What's something you observe? I um, observe your this this studio space, which is really interesting. I don't know if anyone said that um, before, but I came in here and it's kind of like there's a slide um, back there that I wanted to that I wanted to slide down immediately. And um, yeah, so I just I just think that this is and I love these old buildings. You know, we're just on South Meridian Street, and I just love any old buildings that are here um, remaining in Indianapolis. And so I'm grateful or I'm observing where we are. I think it's super cool. Excellent. What about a wholesome intention? A wholesome intention. Um, my wholesome intention is to starting to um my my wholesome intention is to it's probably going to be work related again I mean just you know to be able to I, I, I know my wholesome intention is to be able to keep providing I've got I've got some really cool programming that's kind of that's coming up and um you know I hope that um, it happens, and I hope that people know that it comes from the bottom of my heart, wanting wanting to get these things get these things done. Top secret, so we can't share. Yeah, <laughs> not not nothing's formalized, but that you know that that I just there's there's I care about the people I work with in so many ways, and that that I intend you know the the things that I'm doing are intended you know for them and for them specifically the last one is you are this is some self-love before we head out the door um so and I say you are as in like you can even I'm hug yourself I'm speaking to myself um you are extremely loved I like that one. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel it. And, you know, people, i got a lot of people that show it to me. And, you know, I love myself and can't, don't, don't always feel, you know, don't always want to say it like that. But I was thinking about it earlier. And so myself, family, friends, I just feel very loved. You're very loved. Thank you for sharing in that practice. Yeah. Thank you. I wanted to open up the floor just for a moment mm -hmm. to allow you to tell us a little bit about Hello Moment, mm -hmm. your LLC. Yeah. So I um, haven't really launched anything about Hello Moment, um, but <laughs> in, in, it is undetermined when I'm going to. I haven't really had time. Um, I, and it's funny because I actually just made earlier a sign-up sheet for a Hello Moment newsletter that doesn't exist yet. So I'll give you my bit.ly link. How do, does, that, does that sound okay? <laughs> um, so Hello Moment is an LLC, and it's basically it's what my yoga – um, ends up coming through. I am available to do private mindfulness 
um, sessions and corporate mindfulness sessions. And, you know, I was just joking, I'm not a great business person. So if you've got a good cause and you want someone to come out and do um, a little bit of mindfulness, especially for people who, you know, have stressful jobs and are doing really good work, um, you know, you can reach out to me and I'm always happy to um, do that. I've done that several times before. So not not making any promises, on, you know, but um, happy to do that. Hello Moments, um, uh, important. Um, I think that the the logo for it is as meaningful to me as anything else. My, my dad loved clouds. My dad was a um, lifetime member of the Cloud Appreciation Society. And clouds are something that come up often in mindfulness because as like passing thoughts, you know, what I mean, right. because just because something's there doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily be there the same way forever. And then it might be gone completely. And so um, Hello Moments got this sunshine with a cloud in front of it. And um, it's really just about meeting the moment and meeting a moment. There's there's this quote and it says, I meet this moment um, as a friend. And so it's about, you know hello moment, you know, sad moment, down moment, happy moment, grateful moment, whatever's there, just kind of being able to um, be there with it. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for your heart and your service and all your energy you've brought today. It's been a real joy. Today's podcast was sponsored by Good Aim Communications. Good Aim Communications is a full-service marketing company based in Indianapolis. You can learn more about our services at goodaimcommunications.com. From my heart to yours, may you live with ease. This is your host, Amy Morgan, signing off.